everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Good morning, Francine. Good day. Top of the hat to you. Top of the hat to you as well. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, my land. Okay, so my wife is right now listening to the podcast that we posted earlier this week. And I left before she got to the uh, part where um, I told everybody that she sheds in the shower. So. <laughs> So if I see her running into the room. (laughs) Yeah, if you see her barging in and whacking me, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) So this is funny. The question that people ask me all the time is, so where do you guys record this? And I'm like, to me that, you know, I don't give it any thought because I guess we work around this type of thing all the time is like, he's at home in his office and I'm in my office. And they're like, but no, where, where are you? I'm like, well, he's in Colorado and I'm in Pennsylvania. We don't, you know, meet up at, you know, the same destination. Oh, people are thinking that we're in the same room. Studio, the same a studio doing this. So Joe, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess people think we're in a studio somewhere recording these and, you know, couldn't be further from no. the truth. We're like half a country apart. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it goes back to what we were saying last week where we were talking about anybody could do a podcast. I mean- you and I aren't even in the same room. In fact, depending upon the day, I mean, how you've seen doing this podcast, you've seen what, like four rooms in my house? <laughs> Where in the world is Matt? <laughs> yeah, and it depends on, uh, like like we talked about, like I have uh, 10 kids on, well, depends on the day, right? Or it depends on the time, how many children I have based upon their friends that are here. So um, it's spring break, so... I had to find a place that nobody is. So Right. Well, and if I had, I don't know what would happen if I tried to do this at home because of my internet capabilities at home, because I live in rural America. I don't know if I'd be able to record from home or not. I'd like to try it sometime just to see, but I'm where we have real internet, meaning high speed internet, as opposed to a phone internet, basically. <laughs> Francie still uses AOL at home. It's like, "Ah, me. Now that we talked about internet security, should we start with the topic of today? Yes. What are we talking about today, Matt? We're talking, I think, food insecurity. That is it. That's the topic of the day. Yeah. What was the statistics, Francine, on how many people are in the United States or? 24. 8% of households go hungry nationwide. That's astounding. That's astounding. Astounding. And, you know, so COVID has brought this to the forefront because of inflation and, you know, everything has skyrocketed over the last, last few years, but it's not a new problem in our country. No, it's not. I mean, I mean, you and I talked about that as um, like growing, we grew up, both of you and I grew up very, very poor and, you know, we had to, I'm, I'm sure you had to, just like me, had to eat some very interesting things. Like I hunted for food to have meat, but we had food. But I didn't realize 28% today have food insecurity. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a huge number. And in 11 states, the share of children that were not eating because food was not affordable hovered between 32 and 43%. 
in 11 states. Wow. It's almost almost half the kids. Michigan had the highest rate. So I don't know. That's just, it's, it's sad, you know, and, you know, in some of the schools, there are programs to help offset that, you know, for, right. like free breakfast, free lunch. Right. And um, that's during the school year. Yeah. What happens to those children, you know, and I think about this every year when school is over, you know, for some of those children, school was the only time they got to eat, you know, whether it be breakfast or lunch, you know, what happens during the school year whenever they no longer have those programs. For some of those kids, meals certainly aren't aren't the same. You would think in a country as advanced as ours that we wouldn't still be struggling with these problems, but we are. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And all right, so you know we I, we do foster care, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we Tracy and I had to rethink how we dealt with food in our house because of that. So. We've had kids that have been basically starved because of neglect or because of abuse or combo of the two. I guess the neglect is abuse, but actual physical abuse, like utilizing food and starvation as a punishment and then neglect, you know, the kids not being able to feed themselves. And we had twins one time that were taken because they were almost starved to death. So we had to change the way we dealt with food to just have an open pantry because there was a lot of some of these kids would hide food, you know, quote unquote, steal food. And it was food insecurity within their mental mindset. Like they literally felt like, Oh my gosh, there's food here. I need to take it and hoard it like a hamster, you know, um, because they didn't know when they were going to eat again. So we just had to be like, Hey, listen, you can eat whenever you want, walk in the pantry, grab whatever you want. And that changed a lot of behavioral issues like overnight. And then we just started doing it with all of our kids because it was way more difficult to create one rule like that for one and not for another. But um, yeah, so we have an open food type of a thing, but it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's interesting when it's, when it's abuse, it's really sick and sad uh, because it's, it's, you know, one parent either physically incapable of feeding their child or using it as a punishment. But when it's what's what's really sad is when parents want to feed their children and don't have the means to, and that's where, that's where I really feel for poverty. Right, and I can't imagine. Well, I mean, and I myself, it's been again back to when I was young. I did as young as ten. I was doing the grocery shopping for the family. I would take food stamps and you know walk to the grocery store with my siblings (laughs) and buy the groceries. And it's been a long time since I've had to worry about the price of groceries. I'm very fortunate in that aspect. But in the last year or so, I would be lying to say that just everybody, I think, in the country has noticed the price of groceries in one aspect or another. When you go to pick up a quart of strawberries and they're like six bucks, (laughs) who's not going to notice the price of the strawberries or eggs or whatever the case may be? And I've thought many, many times, it's like, my heavens, and thinking of it from the aspect of how can a family of four or a single parent afford to feed, afford to feed their children when prices are this astronomical? And the answer to that is many of them can't. So now they're choosing between, you know, do you buy 
fruits and vegetables or do you buy the $3 box of cereal that's you know loaded with sugar or whatever as opposed to fruits and vegetables well you're going to buy what you can you're going to buy what you can afford as opposed to maybe the healthier items that are much more expensive right because you're going to buy more not less yeah you're spot on you know everybody talks about the american diet and it's and it's true i mean our our diet is unhealthy but the food that is the cheapest like okay so half my one one third of my children are chinese so we have like a lot of noodles that, that's actually what they eat for breakfast that's 30 cents it's <laughs> you know when 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 you have 10 children in the house and 14 people all together that live in the house, my wife and I know how much things are by the sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and we do well. I mean, we we do well. But still, this last couple of years, the prices of food have gone up so much that we're budgeting. And man, my heart goes out for, for people. And I remember, remember those articles, Francine, during COVID where – there were lines a mile long, people in their mm-hmm. cars a mile long in Texas and et cetera, just picking up food, you know, and we're talking nice looking cars. But absolutely. Well, I mean, people had lost jobs. People weren't working. There were, you know, there were just, there were a multitude of factors that were playing into what was happening there. And poverty was real. People that thought they would never, ever in their lives, people that were judgmental of poverty right. were experiencing poverty. So there were just, there were so many things that were factoring into what was happening there. I kind of forgot about that until you just brought that up. But I, I do remember, I do remember that. I can remember, you know, and part of this goes into, again, you know, factoring back, I can, you know, I got free lunches in school and I can remember being so picked on about my, at that time, the tickets were a different color than the kids that paid for their lunches. And I can remember getting picked on because I got free ah, lunches. Oh, man, that Oh, it was sucked. awful. Oh, it was awful. I didn't eat lunch because I got picked on because I got free lunches because my ticket was a different color. That was, oh my God, that was horrible. It's one of those things that was like, I hope they changed that over the years that those col- tickets are all the same color. In fact, now I think they have an account that it, the do. money just all goes on an account. Nobody has a ticket. Um but they I do. can remember well, we, we was, pay for our kids' lunches. Uh, but I was the same way. I I got free lunch. I was uh, poor. We had free lunch. But in California, they didn't dictate the difference between free lunch and paid lunch. So I worked up. I had an account. And da, da, da. They were yellow and blue. The tickets were yellow, yellow and blue. What? <laughs> what? What was your color? Yellow. Yellow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it should have been it was scarlet, like the book <laughs> Scarlet Letter. It felt like it was. As a result, I didn't eat lunch because it was like, it was easier. It was just easier to not eat lunch than to be picked on because I got free lunches. Years later, I was on the school board and I remember getting a phone call from a woman who was incredibly upset because there was a kid who had purchased lunch and somehow he had got this lunch and somehow they had discovered that this kid didn't have enough money on his account then to pay for the lunch. Instead of allowing him to continue to eat that lunch, somebody came out and took this kid's tray from him. What? And then like gave him like a peanut butter sandwich. There was this huge scene made from this about this kid in his lunch. You want to talk about piss a school board member off? I was up at that school. <laughs> oh my in gosh. That, in that high school principal's office. Oh my heavens. It was just like he had no idea what triggered in me. 
Yeah. <laughs> when they did that to that kid. Oh my God, I was livid. Absolutely livid. You don't do that to a kid. I've seen you upset a couple times. I don't think I've ever seen you really ticked off, but I've seen you upset a couple times and, and um, it's it's not fun to watch you upset. And so oh I can my. only imagine what that poor principal received. <laughs> oh, it was, it was something. It was like, I don't know why somebody would have done that. I don't know why they would allow that to happen to that child. That and child was in no way, shape or form responsible for the anything that no. happened. They don't know what was going on in that kid's life. That kid was certainly not responsible for whatever whatever transpired for them to humiliate that child in that manner was totally uncalled for. But yeah, I went up there and we had a chat. I can assure you it's the last time it ever happened. (laughs) At least while you were on the school board, (laughs) you're like, let's not take this woman off. Yeah. It was like, I, 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 and I'm certain nobody in the district had any idea that or in his parents, because that wasn't the point, but I paid the kid's lunch bill, brought it current and just said, don't ever let that happen again to anybody. Yeah. I mean, kid, kids are already brutal enough to have adults go in and throw some gasoline on that fire. That is – that's sad. To do that in front of like all of his classmates? Yeah, that's – yeah. That might have been the only meal that kid got that day. Right. And what if he, what if he was allergic to peanuts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk food allergies there. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? That's actually what somebody's request that a few times is that we talk food allergies. So that should be yes. another podcast that we do. Yeah. Well, we need to, well, on our, add um, some of the food allergy experts to our, our guest list. We, that's just something we need to do soon to start. Um, now that we've got yes. all of the aesthetics of this figured out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't have yeah. to torment anybody with the incompetence of our working our own <laughs> Yeah. People are like, why don't you guys have people like, you know, interview people on the show? Uh, because Francine and I have to figure it out ourselves. <laughs> we add another monkey to that. Yeah, we need to learn what we're doing with all the technical aspects here before we interview somebody and don't record their segment. <laughs> yeah. So, so Colorado, we just voted on a law. Uh, we just passed a law, a proposition as a state to do free lunches for every kid across the state. And you know me, I'm I'm like smack dab in the middle when it comes to to politics, pretty much libertarian. But I was like, I voted for that. I was like, you know what? We should have free lunches for kids. It's it's the we're talking about kids, right? And how are they supposed to learn? The history of free lunch actually is very, very interesting. It started happening a long time ago on the East Coast when kids would show up from the fields or whatever, from the you know, from the city starving and teachers are trying to teach them and they they found out that kids can't learn on an empty stomach surprise surprise right and still to this day like it's a political issue and i i don't understand it like kids cannot learn if they're hungry and right now there are there are kids in nice nice houses nice neighborhoods that are going hungry and parents probably don't want to sign their children up for free lunch figuring that you know it might be embarrassing or whatever, mm-hmm. and just just take that away and just make it super easy for children to just get food. There are so many other things that can differentiate children one from another, and it's hard enough to be a child from kindergarten through eighteen. Yeah, that's hard to be an adult. <laughs> Forget being a child. Yeah, adulting sucks. Adulting sucks. <laughs> I wouldn't go to, back to being a child for all the tea in China. So, but adulting is hard too. But 
yeah, being a child is hard enough. You know, let's just take away one more thing that can give, that they can be bullied about. You know what I mean? Because it happens. Kids aren't nice. No, they're not. They're brutal. So I agree. You know, as, as much as we can level that playing field, and I'm not saying that kids don't need to learn that life isn't fair. They do. They need to learn that you don't always win. They need to learn how to work hard, work hard. They need to learn how to settle differences and all of that good stuff. But my God, they don't need to be beat up every day of their lives. You know, it just, it doesn't need to happen. So, and you're right, particularly about something they can't control. I mean, they can't control whether or not they're going to get food or not. We're not talking about losing a baseball game. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Or not making it onto the cheerleading squad. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. No. And you know, what's interesting too, is where two of the huge food insecurity areas are is one is inner cities, right? They, They just, a lot of times inner cities just don't even have access to good food. The, the majority of inner cities, sources of food are convenience stores and like food dollars type of stuff, like dollar stores. Mm -hmm. There aren't even like a lot of grocery stores in the middle of these areas. And the other one is rural. Right. And you would think, you know, people think, oh, well, that's where all the farms are. Of course, they're, they're not hungry. Well, no, they are because a lot of the farms are growing, you know, field corn, wheat, sorghum, soybeans, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and there aren't a lot of those grocery stores there. How far do you have to drive to get to a grocery store, Francie? Well, we, I myself drive 10 minutes to get to the grocery store. Oh, okay. So you're not that rural then? No, I drive 10 minutes. But there are people that drive in the rural area that I live in a good, maybe 30 minutes to get to the grocery store. Yeah. Which is, I mean, doesn't sound real far, but... I mean, what if somebody doesn't have a car? Right. And I mean, you live on the East Coast. You live in a rural area in Pennsylvania, but a lot of rural areas, like you get past the Mississippi all the way up to, gosh, even on the other side of the San Andreas, there aren't a lot of places for miles and miles and miles to get to go to a grocery store. Well, and we were talking, my son just bought a farm. There's a lot of land and we were joking semi-joking, we were talking about, you know, how big of a garden, and of course we own a farm as well, how big of a garden you could plant. And I I enjoy canning. Like beer? <laughs> to can beer. Oh, wait. Are there other things than, than that you could can other than alcohol? Yeah, there are. Oh, okay. <laughs> and to freeze, freeze things. But that's even expensive to do. It's expensive to do that. Sometimes it's less expensive to go buy it at the store than it is to actually can it if you grow it at home. Right. And then a few years ago, there was a there was a shortage. You couldn't find canning jars anywhere. Really? That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So that reminds me, I remember posting something on LinkedIn, an article about raising your own chickens. And you, you uh, commented on that as well. Um, because of the price of eggs, you know, a lot of people are trying to to grow their own chickens. But you know, having your own chickens, and I, I think I wrote this that although it helps with food insecurity, it doesn't mean it's always inexpensive. And that goes the same with gardening. Although gardening uh, goes a long way for food insecurity, you know, you're going to have a garden. You know, you're going to have vegetables. Theoretically, if you're like me, shoot, everything I plant dies. Right. Well, and you have to. 
buy that stuff to plant. Yeah. So now you've bought all that stuff to plant. Either the deer have eaten it, the rabbits have eaten it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or you know, you know, and then the chickens, you know, the coyotes have, or weasels or somebody's come in and eaten your chickens. Yeah. Or you know, snakes might have come in and eaten the eggs. Or you know, there's just there's there's just more to it than this is what I'm going to do. You know, there's right it's a process, and, and and it's a hobby, really. If if you like it, if you like doing it, then yeah, do it because you, first off, it's going to provide you enjoyment. It is going to help with food insecurity, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't enjoy doing it, and it's not, uh, and you're not good at it, then it's just going to cost you more money, and it's it's going to be a hassle. Um, and, and you're not going to do it right. Like my, my wife jokes that the only reason why our dogs and our children survive is because they can talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess dogs not, but dogs will bark and let you know what they need, (laughs) but plants, goldfish, sorry, they're, they're, they're on the chopping block. They don't survive very long. I mean, it can be economical. But it's not always because there's no guarantee that any of that stuff is going to live. If you have a dry summer. Yeah. Or an overly wet or cold winter. But, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting in terms of food uh, insecurity and food security in the United States, so many things went wrong during COVID. And we learned a lot about our supply chain during COVID. Like a lot of dominoes went down during that. I mean, JBS – which is uh, during COVID, JBS, which is like what thirty three percent of our meat comes from them. They got hacked. Remember, they got hacked, and they couldn't produce meat for like three weeks. Forgot about that during that whole entire time. And beef prices went up, chicken prices went up. Um, so I'm sorry. You know, I remember going to the to the grocery store it was sometime around New Year's because I remember looking at the meat section. And I remember seeing a roast that was over $100 because I thought, my heavens, who is buying this stuff? Because, again, we've talked about this. I've not bought meat at the grocery store in years because we raise – we buy meat from my mother-in-law who – they raise their own, they raise their own beef. And I thought, my God, I can't even imagine spending that much money on a roast. I wouldn't eat meat. I'd be a vegetarian. There is not a chance <laughs> I'm paying that much money for a roast. Isn't happening. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it, meat prices just went through the roof and there's still, there's still issues right now with, with meat prices in the, I mean, that's due to consolidation and all that stuff. But that whole entire thing was crazy, right? I mean, JBS being hacked by um, Russian hackers um, and being held ransom, and Biden basically coming in and being like, "Hey, dude, you have to, you guys have to pay this this these people off. Like, we need meat." But it showed it showed some of the weakness there of our food food chain. But also, we recovered, and then with the whole formula thing, that was an absolute nightmare. And we'll talk about that next week. And we found out that WIC, which is you know USDA WIC program, buys fifty percent of the the formula. Right, fifty percent of the formula purchased in the United States is purchased by WIC by the USDA, and that led to some of the problems. And so some of this stuff that we found out during COVID, we're learning from it, and we're we're going to be able to to fix it. But like there was just a, the whole chicken flu thing, the, the avian flu knocked out a bunch of chickens. And then the egg prices went up. It's like everything that could. It, it's it's an apocalyptic book 
we've been going through. <laughs> and that's been fiction, right? Like everybody who reads apocalyptic fiction was like, hey, look, it's really happening. But so there is a lot that we can learn about these food insecurity things. But I'm just I'm fascinated just understanding how both robust and how weak our supply chain is, how well we weathered that storm. Right. And we still are weathering it. Well, and we will be for a while because nothing's fixed overnight. There are also things that we can do to help. I mean, grocery stores, have you ever gone to the grocery store in the produce section and seen any ugly produce? I mean, you don't. It's all perfect. You know what I mean? Not all tomatoes that are grown are like perfectly round right. little tomatoes, you know, and not all heads of cabbage or lettuce or the carrots, you know, when they come out of the garden, they're pretty funky looking sometimes. Yep. And there are sites that sell imperfect produce that you can go to and buy them a little less expensively, typically, because they're not perfect, but they taste fine. They're like ugly vegetables or imperfect foods misfit markets. Um, yep. And a lot of times that stuff gets thrown away because restaurants don't want it. Grocery stores don't want it because it doesn't look nice, but it tastes fine. Why should we be throwing that stuff away when or not utilizing it when there's nothing wrong with it? Yeah. Th- that's actually huge in the produce world as well. That is so much product ends up going to canneries or to juicers or whatever because it just doesn't it's not a or b a or b grade and so it it goes off to be sold into that that secondary market now part of the problem though francine is that usda has standards quality standards expectations that are basically law and so when product arrives at a distribution center that isn't part of the usd grade then the receiver could decide not to receive that product and they'll make that decision, right? If there is no other product, they'll take it. But if there is other product, they'll kick it back and then it ends up in the waste. It ends up going to waste or wherever they can put that product. So there are limiting options. Does that apply to appearance too? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm not talking about appearance as far as like, I'm not talking about bruising or like quality factoring appearances as far as like affecting the health of the product. I'm just talking about like just because it looks kind of. No, it, it'll be like because of bruis- bruising, blemishing, cracking, um, discolorization could be a factor. Okay. Which makes sense. But I'm talking about, you know, let's say a carrot grew and it has like it's attached instead of just being one one carrot. There's two that are attached. Right. <laughs> so no, not, not carrots, bad example because uh, Grimway and Bolthouse have done a fantastic job of marketing baby carrots, which were all those carrots thrown into a washing machine looking thing that, that tumbles them all up and turns them into baby carrots. So yeah, I get what you mean. Like a tomato or whatever that, that may not be perfectly round or whatever. That's a good question. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I'm not talking about something where there's a, a quality product in the sense of it might not, it's a safety issue, you know, where if it's bruised or it's damaged and it's not necessarily safe per se, air quotes, I'm talking about, it just doesn't look nice. Yeah. That's a, I'm not sure about the not looking nice because that, that's a little bit more subjective than bruising, discolorization, et cetera, et cetera. Right. 
what may not look nice to you may look perfectly fine to me. That's a good question. I'll have to do research on that and find out. But yeah, I, I mean, Misfits Markets. Um, what was the other one you said? Imperfect Foods. I like vegetables. Yeah, they are so funny at conferences too. Like the, the swag that they have is hilarious. I bet it is. Yeah, their logos are hilarious too. I love those. I love innovate. It's so fascinating. Food has been around forever, right? We, ha- we have been consuming food since the second we came from monkeys or whatever. We came from God, however it is that your belief system is. The second that, that, that we, we were created and born, we were eating. And still to this day, I think that the food industry is probably one of the most innovative industries in the nation. What people can come up with in terms of branding, in terms of like even creating meat and Petri dishes, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> we could take this one step further and go to the next segment. Um, people are very creative with food, whether that's good or to their detriment. <laughs> Yeah. So sleepy chicken. Sleepy chicken. And this is not a chicken that's napping, by the way. It's not no, a- it's not a chicken that is napping. Oh my, you just made me think of something though. Oh my God, I saw the cutest little thing. This little girl was holding this chicken and this chicken is going bonkers. And she's like two or three years old and she keeps saying, calm down. And this chicken's going crazy and she's petting <laughs> this chicken and she's like, calm down, just calm down. And she's petting this chicken. <laughs> she starts singing it a lullaby. <laughs> and the chicken's like, I'll calm down the second you put me down. And the chicken does truly calm down. I'm like, wow. so wonder that chicken didn't flog you. <laughs> right. Anyway, that is not at all where this was supposed to go, but. <laughs> no. But not anyway, I digress. Sleepy chicken. <laughs> Sleepy chicken. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to start by saying that the FDA issued a warning in September saying that sleepy chicken is not a good idea. So what sleepy chicken is, is people were apparently, once again, people, TikTok, somebody suggested that um, you put your chicken in NyQuil and you boil it. Yep. That's what it was. Boil your chicken in NyQuil or some other sleep-inducing cold medication. (laughs) Actually, this says, we can't really tell you why people thought this was a good idea. (laughs) But it trended widely enough to catch the attention of the FDA. Yeah, and it's shut down from from TikTok. You can't actually find this on TikTok. The only thing you find on TikTok is people nodding their head and being like, you're being dumb. Yeah, it's like, oh my heavens. So oftentimes, you know, when this stuff comes up, it's like often it targets youths and, you know, this stuff can harm people. When you boil the medication, what's going to happen is it becomes much more concentrated. Yes. Not only that, but then you've got the vapors that are wafting through the air and you're inhaling them, um, which could harm your lungs because high levels of the drugs are entering your body. Just not a really good idea to be making the NyQuil chicken. You know, there's a lot of things on TikTok that are not a bad idea or aren't going to hurt you. But if you run into something like this, you might want to do a little bit of research or contact your healthcare provider. 
Or, or just not throw, do it. Before you throw the NyQuil in the pan with the chicken and think that it's a great idea. I oh, I have such a hard time with this. Okay, so I, I, I was reading articles on this and – Okay, so quote, the idea of cooking chicken in NyQuil began in 2017 when a Twitter user tweeted out an image of chicken in NyQuil as a joke. But unfortunately, and this is my words, not the actual article. Unfortunately, people were like, huh, like things that make you go, hmm. And then they decided to do this. And then it became a challenge. So then, however, the latest viral burst of chicken cooking chicken in NyQuil has become more of a nonsensical challenge. This is this is a from the foodnetwork.com quoting on the, the FDA. And yeah, nonsensical. This is first off, this this has to be the most expensive sleepy medicine you could possibly get. Cooking NyQuil and just disgusting. Just take the NyQuil. Just take the NyQuil. And then you know, maybe do something normal with your chicken, like smoke it or or. And when I say smoke it, I don't mean you know, <laughs> I don't mean smoke a cigarette and then blow into the chicken, guys. I mean like <laughs> in an actual smoker. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're talking about Nyquil chicken, so I'm realizing that maybe I should put disclaimers on my jokes, <laughs> or 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 at least be a little bit more descriptive <laughs> in what I mean. Man, I feel like I need a disclaimer in absolutely everything I say. <laughs> With my level of sarcasm, it's like yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I I don't want to go back to a couple of episodes ago when you were describing the difference between education and training, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have a disclaimer, friends. <laughs> Just a tattoo on my forehead. <laughs> uh, back to the scarlet letter. <laughs> oh man, like that lunch ticket on my forehead. Oh gosh, I just can't. I. I'm having a hard time even understanding how people could stomach this. This has to be disgusting. Well, I mean, I can barely get the NyQuil down, you know, just if, I, if I'm taking any kind of cold medicine, I'm sick. If in the liquid form, I mean, I prefer the caplets. Um, why would you want to boil? Yeah. After seeing what the FDA wrote, it seems like this was more of a challenge between children, like kids, teenagers are doing this, which makes absolute sense because I have a lot of teenagers and I have a lot of children and um, they they actually don't become intelligent until like 30. Two. 32? No, I was going to say two <laughs> words. <laughs> You're like adding to it. I was like 30 no, and then you I was said gonna two. Say, 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 <laughs> I was going to say, you're barely over 30, right? <laughs> <laughs> you stopped my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Yes, I'm a, I'm a decade over 30 and I still have a hard time. Like, uh, uh, like my teenagers would do something stupid and I was like, that was stupid, but really funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe by the time I'm 60, I'll stop laughing and be like, no, that was just stupid. No, no, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, two words, Tide Pods. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of was Tide Pods. I mean. Do you know in foster care, we have to lock that stuff up? Like that, that became such a viral idiocy that it changed policy. <laughs> oh, I don't use Tide Pods, but or I don't use any pods, period. Oh, I, they're so convenient. So lock them up? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we have to lock them. We have to lock them up. It, with foster care, you, you, uh, you, I, you I have to lock everything up. You have to lock everything up. You, 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 you know, like the joke of people are like, 
it would, oh, our society would be so much better if, if people had to uh, interview to become parents. You literally have to interview to become foster parents. But you know what? They're so desperate. They still accept people like me. Well, I know that you, your wife are very good parents, unfortunately. At least my wife is. There are some people I wonder how they get the children, but you guys do a good job. We've been doing this for two decades. So we've seen really good and really not so good um, foster parents. But I would say that the vast majority of, of foster parents are very, very good. Right. Well, it's like everything else. You only hear the bad stories. Right. But uh, you have to kind of be passionate in order to get through the system. The system kind of sucks. But that is a completely different tangent. It sure is. But I think we can all agree, NyQuil chicken, not a good idea. Not a good idea. We've learned a lot of stuff with these. No cold medicine. Don't cook the cold medicine. Come on, people. No. No. And you know what's sad is the FDA, we've we've learned, and we're going to be talking about the next episode, all the inadequacies of the FDA, given that they have very – they don't have enough people. They don't have enough budget. They have a huge amount of things they're supposed to do. And then ah, – I was going to say something very derogative. Let's just say – very unintelligent young people doing this force the FDA to use their time to send out a letter saying, hey, by the way, this is not a good idea. I could think of a million things that it would be better for the FDA to work on than telling people not to cook chicken in NyQuil. You think that would be common sense, but no, I guess not. I agree. Well, we're already at, I think, overtime again. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, do we have a time? <laughs> We had a recommended time by our by 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 Joe, and we always go over. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even remember. (laughs) Must be one of those things I blacked out. (laughs) Yeah, we were told that the uh, it's best for podcasts to be twenty to forty minutes, and ours have always been like 45, 50 minutes. I guess I figured he'd edit. probably gonna edit this (laughs) uh yeah okay should we end it yeah all right don't eat poop don't eat poop don't eat poop our last episode we talked a lot about poop this time we didn't talk much about poop not much about poop talked a lot of shit but not much (laughs) (laughs) uh